Welcome to Old Friends and New Roads Podcast. My name's Keith. My name's Eric. And I'm John. And we are uh, joined today by the lovely Stacy from Ride to Food. Thanks for joining us, Stacy. <laughs> Definitely. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Man, it's so good that you joined us. Um, you know, we found your YouTube channel recently, surprisingly. Um, I've probably been watching it for the last two months, but it's just, you know, it's kind of my jam right now. I like the vibe of it. I like what you're doing. I like the music, the camera shots. I like the stills that you take. It's just a, it's just a good show. And it's really, it's really good to be talking to you about it right now. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Speaking of that, how long, how long have you been doing the YouTube portion? Uh, I have, okay. So that's kind of complicated. So technically I launched ride to food about two years ago. And so I want to say I put like my original sizzle reel up and like March of 2019 or something. Well, I travel a lot and I'm sure as y'all know, traveling and editing YouTube videos do not really go hand in hand, especially when you're, you know, adding a bunch of music and, you know, just going the extra mile with the editing because you need that much more RAM and it just takes that much more out of your computer. So I'm not, I can't edit while I'm traveling on the road. And so I spent, all summer of 2019 filming and then at the very end of the season I mean in like November so right when it gets cold here in Colorado where I live um my hard drives crashed and so I lost an entire year of filming which was what a bummer oh it was a huge like I could hear it in y'all's voices that y'all are just like that's so stressful oh yeah And and it was it was so stressful because I went to Arizona. I went to Texas. I mean, I did, I did so much and I just, there's no way to replicate that footage. Right. Not yeah. You just all. know that like, that's the best stuff you had. <laughs> You're just like, no. Right. So, so, that, so it's like, okay, cool. That was a learning experience. Lesson learned. Don't film six or eight months and only have one copy of it on a hard drive. Maybe back it up twice. Um, but so with that being said, once, um, what summer came back and this is going into, you know, March of 2020, I started to film again, just because here in Colorado, it's just so cold. I don't get to ride as much in the winter. Um, so technically I've been YouTubing for two years, but from what y'all have seen, it's only been about a year and because of COVID last year, and sorry if I'm getting a little carried away here with my explanation, but with COVID last year, that really put a damper on everything because, you know, restaurants had to close. I mean, the world as we knew it is no more. And so I kind of had to change things up and I didn't mean to go on the road all summer again, but it just kind of happened. So luckily it gave me something to do all winter and catch up on all of that video editing. Yeah. You got a lot of footage for uh, one year's worth of writing. That's really impressive. Nice. Well, thank you. <laughs> and you, and you brought it up living in, living in Colorado. What is, what is your writing season? How many months? So man, it really just depends who you ask. Cause like, okay, I live in Denver and Denver is not as snowy as most people would think it is. Right. Um, but it's been a really weird winter. So normally you can ride from March through October, early November, and you can go up into the mountains and typically like the roads will be safe. You'll be okay. Um, and when I say safe, I mean, there's no snow sludge. There's not a bunch of stuff on the road. Like it's, it's easily rideable and you can usually ride in the city almost every day of the year, unless there's a snowstorm because the sun or the snow does melt really fast. Um, but it's, 
it, this year has been really weird. So, I mean, it snowed here last week and we got like another eight inches of snow <laughs> and it's almost, it's almost wow. the end of April. So it's, it's been a really weird year. And the other thing that I always like to tell people when they ask me questions about Colorado, you know, like I said, I live in Denver. So my riding, you know, Denver is on the front range. It's flat and you just get to look at the mountains. Well, the mountains are where all the good riding is. And for the most part, the good roads up there are covered in snow, if not snow sludge, from basically Memorial Day weekend, or I'm sorry, from essentially like November until Memorial Day weekend. And that's when they start to plow like Trail Ridge Road and Rocky Mountain National Park, Independence Pass, Cottonwood Pass, um, all those roads open after Memorial Day weekend usually. So it's similar to like Oregon for us because... <clears throat> you know, our riding season, we're actually, the three of us are doing a, an overnight trip actually tomorrow. And it's, it's going to be shit. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> but yeah, we're just, we just got to get into it. You know, we, we haven't had an overnight since November and it's just, you know, it's just about time, but it's like, yeah, even if the passes are clear, they're all covered with gravel. So that's like another concern for us. Right. Um, yep. That's the thing here too. But I like, um, I think Colorado, if I didn't live in Oregon, I think Colorado is probably a place I would, I would go towards. And I've, I've often told my wife that I just, I want to learn Colorado on the motorcycle. Like I know Oregon, you know, I just, I'm super into like the mountain part of it, you know, not the whole east side of it. Yeah. There's a lot of cool flat top mountains out in Colorado. that are just amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See, we're, we're kind of flip-flopped. I haven't gotten to spend a lot of time really in the Pacific Northwest. I've only ridden through Oregon one time and it was on my way to a motorcycle camp out just on the other side in Washington. I can't remember the little town, but, um, I think new river. And then we went straight North from there up into the mountains. But, um, yeah, so I haven't gotten to spend a lot of time there, but it looks beautiful. And then, yeah, like Colorado, I've lived here for two years and I mean, there's so much riding here. I think you could spend two straight summers, not leaving the state and still not get to see everything. Like there's just so much good riding here. Is that is that why you move around? Is when you're just kind of sick of looking at shit. You're just like, all right, <laughs> this state's been ridden out. I'm gonna move on. Well, we can. I can go into that little story for you really quick if you want. <laughs> yeah, uh, please do. Because because I have I have moved around a lot, and that is a kind of confusing thing. For a long time, people would always be like, "So where do you live now?" Because I moved like once a year, and it was actually never intentional, except for the first move. Um, so I'm originally from Texas and I uh, grew up in Houston. Then I lived in Austin for a while and I was in Austin from, I don't know, 2009 to 2014. And I, it was kind of that way where I was like, all right, I've ridden, you know, all these awesome back roads in the hill country and this is great, but I'm just, I'm bored. I want to do something else. Right. And so I ended up moving to Phoenix. I had some job opportunities out there and mind you, this is, I'm 23 at this time. So I'm still pretty young. And like, not really sure what's, what's going on in the world. You know, I'm like still getting my feet wet. <laughs> and um, so I moved to Phoenix, decided I want to work even further in, in depth with the motorcycle industry. Like at the time I was only working at the dealer level with Harley dealers. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's do more. So I ended up moving to Arizona, which is an incredible state to ride motorcycles. in. there's so much good riding and like this, just the geography is so versatile there too. Um, so I lived there for a year and a half and then 
I did the dumb thing where I decided I was going to move for a guy. (laughs) And I moved to the beautiful flatlands of Oklahoma City. Oh, no. (laughs) Oklahoma. (laughs) Yep. And honestly, Oklahoma is not that bad of a state. It actually has a lot of good writing. It is just, it's different. I just picture if you like, yeah, if you like going straight, I picture (laughs) Oklahoma. It's a... It's very different. Eastern yeah. Oklahoma does have mountains, but I mean, they're not rocky mountains. They're more green like the Ozarks, right? But uh, it, it's very different. Well, I was there for a year and then I was like, all right, I'm getting out of here because obviously that relationship did not work out. <laughs> and um, That's good. Then, Fuck that guy. Then, <laughs> yep, Oklahoma. I was like, nope, this is terrible. So I ended up moving to the Bay Area. I had some job opportunities in the Bay Area to uh, work with a handful of Harley dealers being a marketing director. So I got to live in San Jose for a year and the Bay area has tons of great riding as well. And a lot of people think of redwoods when you're there and you know, there are redwoods and there's a ton of great riding, but you also have the Delta and then you can go into the Valley. You can go, you know, further East and hit the Sierras and go to Tahoe. I mean, there's all and of course the coast with the PCH. So you do get all kinds of riding out there, but the Bay area is just, so busy for me I just it wasn't the right place for me to live and I was really unhappy out there and I had to work a lot like I barely even rode so I just it just wasn't enjoyable for me so I decided to move to Colorado (laughs) well and see it seems like it seems like uh in the Bay Area itself um the traffic was a just a nightmare and you didn't really want to be out there anyway right Right. And it's like, yeah, you can commute to work on your motorcycle and it's really the most practical way to get around there. However, you do have to deal with people that are extremely distracted while driving. And uh, like, and to be honest, most of them aren't looking for you when you're splitting lanes. And I mean, even when you're riding a motorcycle without traffic, you should obviously always keep your head on a swivel. But in in traffic in the Bay Area, yeah, you you really got to watch. Um, well, yeah, I so remember last. I, sorry about that. Um, no, you're OK. Uh and last time I was in the Bay area, I was probably doing 90 on I five and motorcycles were passing in the middle, like splitting lanes. Like I was standing still. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, like Oregon drivers are bad. And then you go to California you're like, Oh, this is next level. Yeah. Like I just, For every, sure. every time we end up in California on the bikes, we're like, here we go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't like, yeah. uh, the Bay area is beautiful, but yeah. Smart move getting out of there. Yep. So I've been in Colorado for the last two years and it's been fun. I've gotten to experience a lot of things in all these different states I've lived in. And it's kind of made me very well-rounded with knowledge, so to speak, beyond just my general traveling, since I've gotten to spend so much time in these specific places. Um, But I do like Colorado. The winters are rough. (laughs) Like I said, I grew up in Texas, so I'm used to hot, hot heat. And here it just isn't like that. So um, that's my biggest adjustment is just having to learn to deal with, you know, an actual winter season. So, which isn't the worst thing. And at the end of the day, I really could go south for, you know, a week or two if I wanted to. So. Yeah, that's super good. I was thinking, um, so two things like back on when you lost your footage, I was, I was heartbroken when I saw that video because I just, I know how much I put into recording footage. And then I also saw, uh, like you had a, you had a drone mishap that made me laugh. But when, when we're out 
and we're recording in the middle of nowhere and, and we get the drone in the air, it's like, like I'm sort of scared for, you know, crashing this thousand dollar drone, but I'm more scared to lose the footage that's on the card. Right. <laughs> and I, I, so when you, when you were doing that, were you like, um, were you like uploading like to one of those SD card storage things or were you legit like bringing your laptop and just, and just dumping the info? Now are you talking about when the hard drives crashed? Yeah. About all that yeah, footage? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was on uh, external hard drives. I don't store anything on my actual computer. So I have an iMac that, and that's what I primarily edit from. And then I also have an older MacBook pro. And I mean, it's, it's like a dinosaur. I think I've had that thing for 10 years. So it's just not up to speed necessarily. It just doesn't have the, like the Ram and the capacity that I need in order to edit the footage. But I can take the info off the SD cards and just throw it on the external hard drive. So yeah, without, without the assistance of a computer, I'm only asking just, this is kind of talk and shop. I just dork out over this. Right. Stuff. Right. Yeah. No, I do. I do use a computer. Cause I know that there's some solid state drives. I want to say where you can just like plug and play. And I, I think you can just take the, like your memory card and basically plug it into like a little cable and it'll put the information on the solid states. Yeah. I'm not exactly the most tech savvy person, believe it or not. Like with some of this stuff, it's like, Oh, you can do that now. That's fascinating. <laughs> like I just have no clue. Yeah. I know, but I feel like if I can't see it happening that I don't trust it. Right. Because you essentially you're, you're like offloading like, you know, a week's worth of footage and then just expecting that this little magic drive is okay. I don't know. It makes right. me mental. I, 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 I lose sleep over this legit. <laughs> I, so the way I do it is I open up my laptop, assuming I'm on the road um, and not at home filming something. I will open up my laptop, plug the external hard drive in, and then I'll physically watch it like offload. And I do it. I try to do it every day because something I've personally learned with filming because I do film a lot is that if I wait a week, I'll, I'll start to get lost in like, okay, what day was this or where was this? And yeah. it takes me longer to actually go through all the files. So I try to do it every day and that way I can even categorize them as, okay, this was at point A, this was at point B, this is point C. And that way, whenever I go to edit and post, it's a little easier to organize it all. So that's just my personal way of doing it. Yeah. I know everyone has their, their versions, but... No, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm super into that. Like, you know, they have these, these large micro SD cards and I'm just like, yeah, who's, who's waiting that long to offload this? Right. You're just dancing with the devil. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, and that's the other thing. Cause you never know, even with the micro SD card, you never know if it's going to magically become corrupt on you. And I've luckily never had that issue where it's just completely failed me, you know, knock on wood. But, um, I do try and use 64 gigabyte or 128 gig because I also try and shoot in 4k um, or 5.6k yeah. when I can, like my GoPro max that I shoot with, I always shoot at 5.6k. So it gets that really, really nice quality whenever it's like finally all edited. Well, yeah, your, um, yeah, your 360 shots are just gorgeous. I mean, just super good color, super good quality, just really, really something else. Definitely. So that's, that's paying out. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, all all the stuff that you do actually is really amazing. Well, thank you. Everyone everyone is fascinated by the GoPro Max. I get so many questions about the 360 footage and I mean, we could 
we could spend this whole podcast just nerding out on camera gear, but um, the the Max, everyone always is like, did you color grade it? Yeah, we can. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, did you color grade it? Did you do this? And I'm like, nope. I literally keep it at 30 frames a second, 5.6K. I might have GoPro color turned on if that's even an option in the Max. Basically, I find my settings, I set them once, and I don't touch them. <laughs> so it's it's the same setting I've had in the camera since I bought it, essentially. And uh, I just keep it really simple. But yeah, shooting at that higher quality does take up a ton of room on a memory card, but it pays off in the long run. So to me, it's worth it. That's good. On um, I don't know which either it was your social media or your website where you have it listed down that you've you're at about 185,000 miles on your motorcycle. That is, that is awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) Truly. Thank you. Yeah. So, so how do you make a living riding that much? (laughs) Well, so I average, well, yeah. How do I make a living? Currently ride to food is my full-time job. And there are, of course, there's multiple revenue streams like YouTube monetization. I do have a blog, um, you know, affiliate programs like Revzilla. I am part of their affiliate program, which is awesome. They do a great job. And um, yeah, killer merch. Yep. And the merchandise. Merchandise is super helpful for me. People do really enjoy it. And I'm out of so much stuff right now. So it's like, oh, new stuff coming soon. I've got like six weeks until I have all kinds of new stuff in there. Yeah. I think Keith's wearing one of your shirts right now. <laughs> I am. That looks good. <laughs> I am. Yeah. It does look good. Yeah. I got my, um, my Smokey the Bear bandana in my uh, Gilosco ride shirt. Love it. Nice. Yeah, that one's been super popular. I I, I got to restock that one here in the next month. Um, but yeah, so really when I was, okay, so we'll back up. So when I first started riding, I mean, as soon as I started riding, I was hooked. And I worked in a Harley dealer and we were closed on Sundays. We, I think we were closed on Mondays too, but I can't, I can't remember right now. So anyway, um, we would close shop on Saturdays and first thing in the morning, we would all meet back up at work at 8 a.m. and we would just go ride the hill country. And so I would put on, you know, 250 miles on a Sunday, like nothing because Texas is huge and there's tons of good riding. <laughs> so we could ride, you know, a different route every week and never do the same ride route. Um, but I did that really often and I started riding from Austin to Houston, which is about 150 to 200 miles, depending on where exactly you're going in the cities. And so that, you know, that's a one-way trip. So boom, I'd ride out Saturday after work and I'd have to come right back by Tuesday morning. So there goes, you know, another 500, 100 miles in a weekend. And those numbers just started to add up and I just really liked touring. So even if I could only get out for two or three days at a time, I would just go slam the miles out. Um, And I did that for a really long time. And then uh, about 2014, I was like, you know, I really just don't want to work a nine to five job anymore. Like sitting in an office is not for me. I have to figure out how I can do this without sitting in an office. Yeah. We're all dead inside right now. (laughs) Right. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's so, it's so, um, I finally started to, I started bartending. And like, I have two business degrees. Um, I was working in a Harley dealership as a marketing manager for one store, not the six I did in the Bay area. Um, 
And I just, it just wasn't for me anymore. I was like, I need something where I don't have to be here every Saturday. Like I want to go ride. Like it just, it just wasn't working for me. And so I did the bartending thing, which did allow me more time off because a lot of people that bartend do it for the lifestyle choices that it provides. Like it is a risky job, right? Like sometimes you're going to walk with 50 bucks. Sometimes you'll walk with $500. You don't always know what you're going to make. But typically, most bartenders want to be able to take, you know, a week off or two because they're in a band and they need a tour or because they want to travel and do something else. I was going to say the free beer, but maybe not. Yeah, I just throw. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes that's a nice added bonus. But uh, I really liked it because of the scheduling abilities yeah. where I would be able to pick shifts up or take off for two weeks. And I did that for a few years while I kind of networked my way into the industry and I've done event photography. I've been published in Hog Magazine, Hot Bike, uh, Motorcyclist Online. I want to say Cycle World. Cycle World, pardon me. Um, lots of motorcycle-related media publications, and um, that's kind of been one moneymaker for me. I have done a lot of work with Russ Brown Motorcycle Attorneys, like doing event coverage for them and helping out with photo work there. Um, I've shot weddings. I've done a lot of marketing related stuff, photo stuff. So I'm kind of a lady of many helmets, so to speak. I don't just do nice. one job. Like but yeah. yeah, that's good. For, for the for the most part, uh, it's all kind of under a marketing umbrella though. Um, but because I'm a freelancer, I am able to kind of bend my schedule. So if I need to go travel and just not work for a week, I don't work for a week. But then when I come back, I might work 80 hours a week for two weeks to make up for it, you know? So it's fun, but it definitely is not a lifestyle for everyone. That's definitely something that I've had to preface to a lot of people that ask that question because they'll try and go do what I'm doing. And they're like, I don't know how you work this yeah. much when you're home. It's miserable. And I'm like, yeah, it's miserable, but at least the road's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, I, you know, I don't know, like, obviously, you know, making a living doing it would be good. I'd just be happy taking summers off. Right. <laughs> like, uh, you know, riding all summer and then just working my ass off through the shitty Northwest winter, uh, would be all, would be all right. Yeah, I'm with Sign you me up. One. Um, so we have as a group, um, you know, the four of us are like our, our pinnacle trip is coming up in, uh, 2025 and we had, we had to block it so far out cause we each are taking a month off to go up to Alaska and back. Oh, it's going to be so fun. So, I'm so jealous. <laughs> so fun. So, I mean, uh, you know, in that sort of vein, like what is your, your like Alaska trip? Um, my Alaska trip is my Alaska trip. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really do want to ride to Alaska that, um, that's something that's always kind of been on my mind. I had a friend that passed away in a motorcycle accident about uh, five, six, six years ago. And he used to live in Alaska and he rode his Sportster from Alaska to Oklahoma City, where he was originally from. He was uh, stationed in the military out in Alaska, though. Wow. Damn, and he Sportster. Rode, yeah. A Sportster, <laughs> yep. And was he it rode a, at it, least the 1200? It was. It was a Nightster when it was originally nice. stock. Um, yep. And he, he carried a ton of gas with him. He rode it all the way to Oklahoma City and then all the way back to Alaska. And then I believe he rode it from Alaska to Las Vegas, which is where they stationed him next, if I remember the story correctly. But yeah, so just kind of like in his memory, I've always wanted to ride to Alaska. But it just, 
I, I was thinking of trying to do it next year and I think it's going to get pushed probably to 2023 or 2024 for me because like, like y'all are taking a month and that's the time I want to take. Yeah. And it does require, it requires a lot of planning, you know, yeah. Canada is a, Canada's a different animal and they literally have different animals there. And I'm not really trying to become like grizzly bait or anything else. <laughs> so yeah. It's like, I typically camp on trips. Right. So it's like, I don't know if I'm going to be camping alone in the Canadian wilderness. <laughs> like that doesn't really sound like my cup of tea. So. Right. Yeah. We're in the same boat. We, uh, we camp uh, all the time. Yeah. 90% That's of it. 90% of the time. Yeah. yeah we're on, in our tents. So. I think we're uh, considering a bear fence for up in, <laughs> <laughs> up in Canada and Alaska. So yeah, I think I think if I was in a group, I would feel a little more comfortable. But if I was going to go it alone, I'm not sure I would be as confident camping every single night. So that's something I've also considered. And not that I'm against riding with people up there. I think it'd be great to do a group ride. But I typically, you know, like you guys just said, you know, you've planned, you know, four or five years out for your trip and to take a month off. And that's really how I feel most people would have to do it in order to get a month off of yeah. work and be able yeah. to afford to do it. So, yeah, it's it's definitely the most expensive trip that we've ever done. And yeah. Like it puts like Hawaii to shame for me. <laughs> right, um, right. But we were considering even like next year, like before our big 2025 Alaska trip dabbling into Canada, because, you know, it'd be so heartbreaking is to like 2025 comes around. We got our fucking bikes loaded. You know, we got a month off of work. We get to the border at Canada and then they like, they don't let you know, John in or something, <laughs> <Right>. you know? <laughs> so like we want to do these trial runs. Cause that would just be heartbreaking to go without John. That is yes, yeah, it like, really oh, would. John. <laughs> Sorry, John, you're stuck. We're out. Uh, and, and I would, I would make him. I would make him go for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we got this on this, like this rule for Alaska. It's like, you know, that the, the schedule is so tight. It's like, we got about three days of lollygagging before we're like way behind schedule. So it's like, right. You roll an ankle. You're liable to get left behind. <laughs> <laughs> Keith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coming from the guy with glass ankles. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was, that was my plan too. So, cause you never know if they're going to let you in or not from really my knowledge. I've heard that you could have, you know, maybe had a slip up when you were in your teens and maybe you had done like a juvenile night or something in jail, so to speak. And it might show up on your record and they might be like, mm, yeah, you're not allowed in here because oh, you got caught with a pocket knife or something <laughs> weird. Right. But yeah. You just, you just never know. Um, I was supposed to this past year before all the COVID stuff hit, I was supposed to make my trial run. I was going to go up to Glacier and then try and go in nice. and meet a few friends uh, from Canada at the border. And we were going to do a camp out called the Renegade Riot. Is that up in like Banff? Yep. So we were going to ride the Canadian Rockies. It's a little further west, though. Um, it's in the Rockies, but it's not that close to Banff. It's, I don't know, it's a few hours away. Yeah. But anyway... So that was going to be my trial run to see if I could even get in to go to that camp out. But then COVID happened. And of course the borders were closed and everything was just a shit show. <laughs> so I decided to just leave that one off. Maybe we'll get there this year, but I'm thinking next year will probably be the time I get to actually try. I have a concealed permit and I just know that they're just tearing my shit apart mm -hmm. just because of that. For sure. <clears throat> yep. That, that would make sense. <laughs> yeah. 
They, um, uh, have you ridden? Have you ridden in Mexico at all? No, I, I want to do that. My wife is um, fairly scared of crossing the southern border, um, but oh, okay. I, I totally want to go down into Mexico. Yeah, I've. Of course, you can't have weapons in Mexico. It's like if they find even like a pocket knife on you, it's a big deal. Um, but when you when you cross into Mexico, they're like, oh, like, hola, come on in. Like, they don't check your passport. They, or at least this is pre-COVID, right? So take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. Um, they just wave you on in and you're good to go. I've crossed at um, Tijuana and I've also crossed at Mexicali, Calexico a handful of times and gone down and ridden in Baja. Um, but then when you get closer to San Felipe, you start to go through these federale checkpoints. And that's where they'll start tearing your stuff apart if they're suspicious of anything. And like me being a girl, like they always want to go through my stuff. And so it's like, yeah, don't bring anything, you idiot. <laughs> you know, like, oh. so like when I go through all my stuff, I have to like make sure it's like, okay, like leave your firearms somewhere safe in the US, like at a friend's house and then go because you can't have anything. So, wow. God, did, did you do that by yourself? Um, so I do the El Diablo run, which is a motorcycle camp out put on by Biltwell. And I've done that for the past four times, so 2013, 2015, 2017, and 20, 2019. Yeah. Um, and I, what I typically do is meet up with some friends near the border and then we cross together. So I might ride alone to the border, but I'm usually never alone in Mexico. My Spanish is about good for quesadilla, like baño <laughs> and like tacos. Like <laughs> I, used to, I used to speak much better Spanish. Like I used to be kind of fluent in it. And I, if, if you spoke it to me, I could hear it. It would take me about 30 seconds to digest it. And then I could like spit something back at you, but not anymore. If you don't use it, you lose it kind of thing. And yeah, so, sure. yeah. I'm not good at it anymore. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, did you feel like a need to get like, cause like the border towns are supposedly the dangerous ones, right? You just got to kind of get, get away from the border. Or is that just, is that just me not knowing what I'm talking about? Pre -usual? Um, You're right. You're right. And you're wrong. It, so it really right now, because of COVID I've heard that things in Tijuana are kind of weird. Like the local police are like getting a little more suspicious with people, but for the most part, like those towns thrive on tourism and they need tourists to be there. So they rely on people like you and me to come in. And even if it's just to grab lunch, you know, so if the border was really unsafe, people wouldn't be going in all the time. Um, however, if you do go further down, like to San Felipe or um, even further south, like if you're I can't, not not all the way to Cabo, but all those tiny little beach towns along the way. Those are really safe. Those are just like little fisher towns and like everyone just everyone there is just trying to survive, really. So I think I think as long as you're smart and you like you're very observant, like, okay, here's a great story. 20, 20, 20 man, what year? The 2015 El Diablo run. We were in Ensenada, Mexico. And me and a couple friends were at like an outside bar patio thing waiting on our food. And some guy just like walks up from the street, throws a bag of weed on our table and like a clear bag. And like, it's clearly like a drug deal kind of bag. And uh, just is like, oh, marijuana, here you go. And we're like, we didn't ask for this. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is like, what? We're like, no, no, no. And he's like, oh, no, you're good. 
And, and mind you, there's like four or five of us at this table and we're all like, what? And we like, we noticed one guy on his phone down the street and this, and we're like, we're out. Like, and we even told the restaurant, we're like, if you don't get handle this for us, we're, we're not paying for our food and we're out of here. And he's like, oh, it's okay. And we're like, no, it's not okay. We didn't ask for a bag of weed to be thrown on our (laughs) table. And like these guys be on their phones acting all weird. And so we just bailed, like the, the restaurant wouldn't help us. And I was like, I'm not about to get caught up in like some police deal here. So we just, so we just left and went to another restaurant down the street. End up in a Mexican jail because somebody threw a bag of weed on your table. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. And I was like, nope, I'm good. Like, we're just going to go somewhere else and get tacos at, you know, one of the other 20 taco carts on the street. So how good was the weed? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we definitely didn't smoke any of it. Um, and, and just judging and i like obviously like i think isn't we, weed's legal in oregon isn't it yeah mm-hmm. um it's yeah. it's legal here in uh colorado obviously and like it didn't even look good i was like what is this yeah. <laughs> like did you it, it, it was sketchy it, it honestly could have been like a bag of oregano yeah. or like a mixed batch of it it was a it was a little sketch but Things like like back those situations are really all you should worry about, and like as long as you're just playing it safe, right? I I don't think there's really anything to be worried about. You know, go to well lit places. Like, don't just stumble around drunk by yourself at night. Like, just be smart. And I truly think you'll be okay. You never let us have any fun, Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, if you're in a group, hey, if you're in a group, have all the fun. But like as a like as a female traveling like if i was alone like those are the precautions i would take it's right? hard to keep john in line when he's wasted <laughs> <laughs> yeah that kind of leads into uh one of our other questions that we had for you like um it's it's i guess a woman in a man's world i don't know it's kind of transitioning now more women are riding and less uh less riding on the back of their old man's bike but um how is it riding solo? Is it, uh, do you have any like scary moments or any stories that you can tell about that? Oh, of course. Um, first <laughs> <Damn> off, <laughs> I was hoping you'd say, no, everything's great. You know? Oh, well, of course I have stories, but actually, uh, my, my answer might surprise you, um, more than once. So, um, it's, it is really cool to see more and more women getting into bikes. And I just wanted to like preface that and to see, you know, more women entering the market because when I first started riding you know prime example here when I first started riding it was 2011 so I've been riding for 10 years now and I remember when I decided I was going to go to the El Diablo run this is 2013 so I've been riding for two years you know I'm just this young blonde hair blue eyed actually had bright red hair at the time because I used to dye my hair fire engine red but um which also makes you a lot more noticeable um you know, all my coworkers were like, you're never going to come back. Like, this is the last time we're going to see you. You're going to get abducted in Mexico and that's it. And this is when I live is in, because mainland and in Texas, mainland Mexico kind of has that stereotype to it, that it's not a safe place, but Baja is very different from mainland Mexico. So anyway, um, I did that whole trip and I was fine. And I remember I came back to work and even the owner of the dealership was like, you made it back. We really didn't think we were going to see you again. <laughs> we filled your position. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I was only gone for two weeks. But um, anyway, so over all of the travels I've had, um, 
I personally really have not had that many bad experiences, but I know it's a really big concern for a lot of women. And it's one of the top questions I get from women on like, how do you just go ride? Like, I'm so scared to travel by myself and this and, and, and like, it is a valid concern. Right. Um, but I ha- I've had one situation where I was in, well, okay, two. I, the first situation where I ever felt kind of nervous was I was in, I was at Valmaria State Park. First off, I always try and camp places that I feel are safe. Like if I, if I'm tucked off the side of the road somewhere and I just don't feel like the vibe is off, I just leave. Right. But in state parks and national parks, I really never am scared um, because there's plenty of people around, right? So yep. if I start screaming because someone's trying to abduct me, it's not, it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I always take those types of precautions as well. But this, this guy was camping at the state park that I was at, and he was like, hey, um, I'm an oil field worker. Like, I'm just here enjoying my couple days off from the rig. And um, I bought a handful of steaks. Do you want one? He's like, you can watch me cook it, like take it out of the wrapper. Like, I'm really not trying to be creepy. I'm just- That's a weird way to start a conversation. <laughs> kind of <laughs> is. Well, I, I probably also was a little like caught off guard. Like, excuse me, you want to feed me? Are you going to drug me? Like, I probably like looked a little like apprehensive. Right. Sure. And I probably was. <laughs> and um and I've always been told, like, my face will always tell you my mood. So I'm sure I looked at him like, you're going to kill me. <laughs> and, um, so I ended up chatting with this guy for a while and everything seems fine. You know, I never told him, like, my personal info, like, where I'm from, what I'm doing. Like, I always was just really vague and just kind of kept the conversation that way. And everything was fine. I was like, all right, I'm checking out for the night thank you for dinner whatever and I went to bed and I remember hearing something around my tent later that night and I was like what is that but it never really sounded like human boots or anything and like I travel with a firearm so I'm also not like completely helpless but um but it's still like oh what is that outside my tent because of course I can't see it because I have the rain fly on but nothing happened but that was like one of the one times where I was like, is this guy going to abduct me (laughs) after he just like fed me a steak a few hours prior? Like what's going to happen here? But I've had one other situation where I was really scared and I had, this was in 20, I'm sorry. I think it was 2019. I can't remember 2018 or 2019. It was 2018. Sorry. I like to get my years right. I know it's not that important to anyone else but me. (laughs) I dig um, it. (laughs) I'm just very specific, but I was doing a 1k in a day, um, riding from Austin to Phoenix. And it was per, it was just after, Oh, I don't know, like 10, 11 PM. And I went through the checkpoint out past Las Cruces and I was headed out towards like Lordsburg, New Mexico. So going West and my bike felt kind of funny for about 50 miles, but I thought it was just like the rivets in the road. And I had been riding for so long that day that I was just tired. I didn't really think much of it. Well, then it got really bad to the point where like, I couldn't control my bike at, you know, high speed, 80, 90 mile an hour. And I'm getting these crazy wobbles. And so I pulled off the side of the road. And as I start to slow down, my, like my rear wheels making this gnarly popping sound. And I was like, what is that? Like there's air in the tire. Like what is going on? And I'm pretty mechanic savvy, but don't ask me to like work on your engine, right? Like I can diagnose things, but I leave the actual mechanic work to the mechanics. Um, (laughs) So I'm looking 
I'm looking over my bike and I'm like, man, nothing really seems wrong. I don't understand why it's acting like this. And like, clearly something's wrong. Um, turns out my rear wheel bearings failed, destroyed my hub, and it was just completely wonky. So that wobble I felt was literally my rear wheel wobbling. And, uh, which was, which was very scary. I'm surprised I didn't shit myself because it was terrifying. <laughs> right. um, my arms, I do remember my arms being sore the next day from keeping like my bike upright yeah, <laughs> from trying sure. to keep the front end oh, straight. It was really scary. Yeah. Oh, that's funny because uh, her two wheels actually had the same experience on her Dyna. I remember that. Yeah. And it's, it's very scary. <laughs> it's a very scary moment. Um, but so... I got stuck on the side of I-10, really close to the Mexican border, and I was like, oh, great, cool. And I and I had friends that were coming to get me, but I'm 120 miles at this point from El Paso, so they're not going to be there in 10 minutes. Um, so it took them, once they got the trailer and everything to come get me, you know, I'm sitting on the road for three hours and, you know, sit there with my firearm in my lap, in a sense, right? The um, Mexican weed. <laughs> yeah and well all, all of a sudden all of a sudden out of nowhere mind you no one has stopped it's been like two hours no one has stopped not even a highway patrol person nobody and i've like ha- i have myself like tucked off the side of the road a little bit so you can't even see me um and the, all of a sudden this big u-haul thing comes up and i mean just pulls over directly in front of me and oh, i'm like geez. oh cool like now we're now we're really getting abducted <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah but i'm like and mind you i'm sitting there with my helmet on because it's like well i've always wanted to headbutt someone with my helmet on yes. like that would really hurt. yeah for sure so, <laughs> so I'm, I'm i'm super nervous like i remember my adrenaline was like pumping they never got out of the u-haul and then they ended up leaving like 45 seconds later and i was like okay did they call reinforcements in or are they gone for good no one ever ended up coming no one ended up coming back but that was probably one of the most nerve-wracking three hours of traveling alone i've ever had um now other than those two situations and those fun stories for the most part i really haven't had too many scary situations but i and i like i said i had this conversation with so many women and i the one thing I always try and tell people is don't make yourself a target. Like don't tell people where you're going, even if you're at the gas station alone and they're like, Oh, we've seen you, you know, cruising down the highway. You're all by yourself. And it's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to meet up with some friends in about a hundred miles or whatever. Even if you're not meeting up with friends, just lie about it. They're strangers. Who cares? (laughs) I think that's, that's very important and good advice. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's important to be and feel and present confidence, I think, especially Absolutely. being alone. I think anyone uh, alone yes, should should learn how to do that. Yeah, classic yes. answer when somebody's like, hey, what do you got going on? You just go, minding my own business. <laughs> <laughs> and it, right. it's super hurtful, but it's like, who gives a shit? <laughs> right, and... And I will say most, most people really, I I think most people are just so flabbergasted by seeing this chick riding alone because I will do, I will do highway miles at night, especially if it's an area like I'm kind of familiar with or an interstate I'm familiar with. Like, okay, I know the stretch of road for the next hundred miles. Like if anything happens, I'm, I'm good to go. Um, I try to do that. It doesn't always work out, but I try. Um, 
but for the most part, yeah, the confidence thing is huge. And I, I have ran into like some creepers at gas stations, but for the most part, yeah, it's either I tell them to, you know, fuck off <laughs> my <laughs> own business or I'm super nice and just really vague. And even if I'm lying and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm staying in town tonight, but I got to go and meet up with my boyfriend or my friends are already at the hotel or whatever. I just lie. Right. And it's like, I'm, and I hate lying. Like I'm the worst liar in the world. Um, anyone that knows me in real life is like, you can't lie to save your life. Well, that's true. Unless it's a complete stranger that I don't care about. Right. <laughs> then I can make up my whole life story. Sure. So. Yeah. That's funny. So you mentioned that you did the one K in a day. We actually uh, have some, some plans in the works for this, for this trip. I don't know if Keith wanted me to mention that or no, not. No, I'm super stoked about it. Um, <laughs> it's, I think for us, um, I think I'm on a uh, Road Glide Ultra, Eric's on a Street Glide Limited, John's on a Mean Streak, and we got, you know, we got their heavy bikes, you know. Right. We're running, we're running probably 900 pounds without any gear on them, and uh, this year we kind of, you know, we there may have been alcohol involved, but we were like, <laughs> let's do the iron butt thing, and then so nothing ever happens unless you put a date to it. Of course. So we're doing it in June. Nice. Yeah, I was just wondering. I was just curious on how yours went and and any thoughts into it. So I've actually done about six or seven of them. What? Um, I've done, Come on. Yeah. Well, how do you get 200,000 <laughs> miles without running a grand a day right. once in a while? You, you got to rack them up somehow, right? Um, what's your longest day? Real quick, before we get started, how, what's your longest Have you day? done the 1,500 miles in a day no my my longest day is somewhere around like probably 1100 miles Jeez. at most and it was just to like get to the final ending place i'm cheap if i know i can stay on a friend's couch for free and ride 60 more miles to get there i'm gonna do that for rather sure. than spending yeah. 60 bucks on a hotel yeah. well that um at the <laughs> so, end of yellow the your yellowstone series you did that was like 900 miles wasn't it uh, it was twenty five hundred miles, but in a day you're getting on that home trip, like the the fires. You 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 bailed because of the fires uh, and just jetted home, right? Yep. So that day, that day I went from Gateway Canyon, which is on the western slope of Colorado near Grand Junction, just to get back to Denver. So that wasn't too bad. And wasn't a straight line that's like no, it, like Grand Junction's about four hours from Denver. I don't know the mileage off the top of my head. But that that day wasn't too bad. I probably did 350 miles since I had a detour, but that day wasn't too bad. Now, for the Iron Butt, I've never actually recorded mine with the IBA. Oh, come um, on. I, that's that's <laughs> all never, we're doing it for. <laughs> I, I would I would never, do it without recording it. I would, because I know I did I it. I don't, it's so funny. I don't know why. It's just, it's, for me, it's like, okay, I did it for me. I've never, and like, it's, I don't know. I just don't care so much about getting the certificate. I don't know why. Um, there is another iron butt deal called ride one K in a day. It's more Instagram based and social media based. Um, they have similar requirements, but IBA is definitely a little more technical with what all you have to submit. Yeah. I just want, um, I want to put it in my office. <laughs> <laughs> so like people come in and ask about it really. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Same. I mean, it is a, it is a big thing. It's a cool thing to talk about. Um, some of mine have been spontaneous. So the most recent one I did was actually last summer and I had been in Houston. I had been traveling. I, I rode all the way to West Virginia and then down to Pensacola and I ended up at home in Houston. And of course this is when Houston is just, you know, going crazy with the coronavirus. And 
it's just like they're having a terrible outbreak. This is when rapid tests are just barely starting to pop up on the radar. And so getting any kind of COVID test is really difficult when, you know, you have a city of millions of people who are all getting sick. So um, that was a nerve wracking thing. Well, I went and got my hair done by one of my girlfriends and we wore masks. We did all, you know, all the technical protocols. And she texted me two days later and was like, Hey, I just tested positive for COVID. I'm so sorry. I I don't know. And she, she did the right thing. I'm not mad at her, but because I was staying with my parents who are significantly more susceptible to getting really sick, I was, and I'm sitting on the couch next to my mom. Right. And I'm like scooting over a couple inches as soon as I get the text message. (laughs) I don't feel well. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, Oh God, what do I do right now? Well, this is when that Saharan dust storm kind of took over, like, the Gulf Coast. And so the air quality in Houston was terrible. I mean, like, my throat was already scratchy. So now instead of thinking (laughs) it's the Saharan dust, I'm like, oh, I have COVID and I'm about to kill my mom. (laughs) And I'm, like, super paranoid. I'm freaking out in my head. And so I immediately start looking for, like, a rapid test or a testing center to go to in Houston And most of them, if you wanted a free test, you had to wait like two or three days to even get the test. And then you had to wait, you know, a couple more days to get your results. And I was like, that's five days. And by then, if I have it, I will be contagious. Yeah, they're dead at that point. I'll be contagious in my parents' house. And I just didn't want to put that on them. So that day I was like, cool, I'm getting up at 6 a.m. and I'm packing my bike and I'm riding a thousand miles back to Denver to get a free COVID test the same day. (laughs) And that's that's exactly what I did. So the next morning I got up and rode back to Denver, left. I I can't remember. I think I left Houston like 730, documented the whole thing through Instagram and uh, got home. I want to say at like 1142 with like a thousand miles on the dot. I was actually about 20 miles short. And so I rode all the way to downtown Denver because I'm south of town. Wow. And I rode all the way to downtown Denver and came back. So I would actually hit the <laughs> thousand mile mark. <laughs> That's good. I know from my house, um, like uh, we're going to from Portland, we're going to Reno and back in the same day. And I think mm-hmm. Reno's like 540, yep. which is which will put us well over the mark. But it's like. 40 miles outside of Reno is bullshit. Like who wants to turn around there? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. In a, in Winna, like Winnemucca or something, right? It's like there's nothing <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Famous for nothing. Right. Yeah. So we've never done like that large amount of miles, thousand miles in a day. I was just, how, how'd you get through it? And, and like on those last couple few hundred miles, how was it? Okay, so like uh, for me, an average day on my bike, like if I'm doing like touring riding and I'm trying to get somewhere, right, I can do 500 miles in a day. And will I be a little exhausted afterwards? Absolutely. But it's kind of like endurance training. So if you're used to doing four to 500 miles, like in a straight shot, maybe two or three days in a row, the thousand miles is actually pretty easy to accomplish. It's the last hundred miles that are really hard and it's like okay my ass hurts like I went off this thing (laughs) and um my recommendation is so let's say that you know you have a couple weekends to do some four or five hundred mile days back to back that'll really help Um, I don't know I don't know (laughs) I'm I'm down let's do it Um, I would say I would say that definitely stay hydrated. Um, 
don't drink a ton of like sugary drinks at the gas stations like a Gatorade here and there is cool but just like loading up on monster energy drinks is probably not the best idea right. also loading up on like gas station junk food like the like the taquito roller bar at love's truck stop those things are delicious <laughs> but probably not where you're doing yeah that yeah day. you're right um <laughs> So kind of thinking of what you're going to eat here and there will definitely help. Um, oh, like that's, I stopped, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Like, like protein bars and stuff or like you, you stopping for meals. Mm-hmm. Protein bars are good. Uh, you will want to look at the sugar content and the added sugar, just because you don't want to have a sugar crash from like consuming way too many carbohydrates that are all sugars. Yeah. So I can go like totally down a food wormhole, but we won't do that. So <laughs> Right. So yeah, the, what you consume is definitely very helpful. Consider like taking some kind of electrolyte packs with you as well, because you will lose electrolytes throughout the day. Yeah. Um, and essentially once you hit that 500 mile mark, you're halfway there. And I, it's kind of like when you look at a clock when you're at work, right. And you're like, Oh God, it's four thirty, And it's like, I still have 30 minutes. Well, it's like, well, it's four thirty, And so in 15 minutes, it'll be four forty-five, which means it's almost five o'clock. It, which means I'm almost done with this. And that's how I look at riding long distance is it's like, okay, you know, I stop every hundred miles for gas because I'm on a Dyna. So I can do like 120, 130, but 100 is pretty comfortable when you're doing those kinds of miles. And I get off the bike for 15 minutes or something. And then I get back on. And that's if I'm taking a break. Like I try to just splash and dash a lot of the time. Um, but I would say, yeah, keep your break short and just think about it like every hundred or so miles and try and just enjoy the ride. Like it, I, yeah. you sound like y'all are on baggers, so you have sound systems. So, I mean, like listen to some good music and like have a good time because it'll fly by a lot faster than if you're just counting every single mile. <laughs> yeah, music is everything. I mean, I just I just couldn't imagine riding without it. No, for sure. I agree with that. Same. I, and I measure everything by, like, how many songs I can get through. I'm like, okay, our destination is about 20 songs yep, away. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, put on a new album. <laughs> yep, that, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, if I didn't have music, oh, it completely different miles take so much longer um i definitely i had a cena 50r on my helmet for that last 1k and it actually lasted almost the entire way home i was nice. somewhere between i was all, i was somewhere between colorado springs and denver when uh my cena finally was like low battery recharge and i was <laughs> yeah. like okay that's fair like i've had this thing on all day that's <laughs> what i'm rocking right now so that's that's good to hear yeah i'm saying yeah nice. <laughs> yeah well, and, and if it does kind of have a low battery deal, um, they do charge really fast, as you'll know. So you, you, if you have to charge it, you might be like without it for I don't know an hour, you know. So, so I got um, I got two quick questions and then a, a longer question for you. Okay. So uh, the first quick one is: Are you kind of a a beer, a whiskey, or a tequila drinker? Uh, beer for sure. Uh, I really like craft beer and I feel like maybe it's from growing up in Texas and just like how I got into riding motorcycles. But when you go to like Lukenbach, there's nothing better than having like an ice cold shiner and walking out to like the back patio area and like listening to like some acoustic country, you know, like that, yeah. that's what beer reminds me of. And yep. I do really like craft beer. But um, yeah, any ice you need cold to come beer to Portland along that if you bottle. like craft beer. Yeah, the Pacific yeah. Northwest, yeah, it's man. unreal. 
So Willie Nelson was singing about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all me. <laughs> yeah. Um, the second quick one is, uh, if if you had your choice, are you are you helmet or no helmet? You know, I used to never wear a helmet. Uh, when I first started riding, I tried to wear full face, and I didn't like it. And I got used to just never wearing one. But now that I've found a great full face helmet, honestly, I feel much better when I wear it. Yeah. Uh, when I ride without it, when I truly feel when I'm riding without a helmet on now that my head is a grape and it's just going to explode if it hits the pavement. Right. Um, except it's not going to be lime green or purple. It's going to be very bright red. <laughs> yeah. What was that um, big bend you, were, you rode up to that peak without a helmet? Uh, Fort Davis. Yeah. Fort Davis, it, yes. It was, you know, 0.5 miles from my campsite and you go yeah. 15 mile an hour, which I understand things can happen, but that's about as far as I'm comfortable. Um, and Sturgis, like if I go ride in the Black Hills, I will absolutely put a helmet on. But if I'm just going to rip from, you know, the Buffalo Chip to Main Street, I'm probably not going to put a helmet on. Um, but it's just situational. And I always feel like people should ride their own ride and make yeah. their own choices. But me and Erica, we were in Idaho. We did a few little short no helmet trips. And it's it's amazing. It is. Like it if, is. if there weren't cars on the road, I, w- I would probably swing that way. But because, you know. I got something to come home to and I value my life. We definitely, we helmet up around here. Right. <laughs> yep. Definitely understand that. Um, the last um, longer question is what, uh, what's the plan for this year? Oh, I love this. I love this question. <laughs> so my, my plan is to take over the world. One YouTube video <laughs> <Yes>. at a time. <laughs> um, kind of, kind of. So because I traveled so much and because this is such a growing brand for me, I do. And this is like a one woman show, you know, I'm the one filming the videos currently and editing them. I come up with all the merchandise ideas and I find the designers to design them. I ship all the orders out. Um, My boyfriend does help when I go out of town, which is awesome, but he can only like ship the orders. He doesn't really handle any of the other stuff yet. So, um, because of that and because of where my brand is right now, I'm in this really amazing growing phase and I have some like products that I've, I've designed that are coming out this year. Um, I just have to be home a lot more. And luckily I live in a really pretty place that has a lot of food, a lot of good beer and a lot of really good roads. So I just want to focus on Colorado as much as I can this season, because like last year, I didn't really get to ride here. Um, The next video that's coming out, it's actually exporting right now, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, but it is um, from my trip going up McClure Pass to see the Aspens. So it's a bunch of like vibrant yellow Aspens all throughout the video. Um, Probably one of the most colorful videos I'll ever do, (laughs) but uh that's I want to I want to be able to see those roads and go riding here in my own backyard and that way I'll be close to home. So instead of being gone for 2 weeks at a time, I'll be gone for 2 maybe 3 days and I should be able to push out a little more content in that time frame. So that's kind of my plan. Nice. Well, looking I'm, forward yeah, to it. Yeah, I'm super looking forward to that. I, I really like the way that sounds. Yeah. <laughs> You're like cool, more videos, we win. <laughs> <laughs> well you know, if you didn't funny. lose a bunch of shit i mean <laughs> we would have more yeah it, it, there would be way more if i wouldn't have lost all of that sorry so. low blow you yeah. can't help it it's okay you know, it's, uh, my, my feelings aren't hurt <laughs> you know it's funny we started watching your videos and just fell in love with them and and uh i ended up actually buying the gopro max nice. because of what you were showing cool 
Well, if you ever have questions with it, just let me know. I'm an open book with that stuff. And like I told you earlier in this, in this podcast, uh, I don't really change my settings up. I kind of figured out what I like and I stick to it. So. Yeah. Perfect. I I noticed that you change, um, like your mount position on that camera quite a bit. Is that just like you riding down the road and pulling over and changing your position or what, how do you plan that? It just depends. So I use, um, I was actually talking to Flip Nod today from Florida about this because everyone's so intrigued on how I mount the Max. Um, but I made this little mount and it's literally just two kind of shorter. They're about an inch long, two little like posts that like little arms that you would use for any other GoPro mount. Stuck those together on one of the clips that clips into, you know, the physical mount. Yeah. And that's what I put the GoPro Max on. So it's, I don't know, three, maybe four inches tall. It's it's not very tall, but I can put that on my helmet really easy. And I look like a little Teletubby, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I look, it looks ridiculous, but I can put that on my helmet. And typically I just let it film for a few minutes. That way I can like time lapse it later on if I want. Like I just speed it up and post. Um, and I can undo it while I'm riding and take it off my helmet. And then it just goes straight into my handlebar mount. And I don't even have to change like the mount it's physically attached to. So that's pretty much all I do. I really don't use anything other than this little mount. And I'm able to, when I am riding and it's like a comfortable area where it's a straight road or there's no cars around or anything else, it's really easy for me to take it off my handlebars. And if I want to, you know, put it somewhere low or something else, it's really easy to switch up. Right. And then you, and then you also hold it in your hand quite a bit as well. And is that just, you're just holding them out at that point? Yep. I'm just, I'm just holding a little mount in my hand. That's all I'm doing. Um, I need to do a, just a YouTube video on this because people love these questions from me. I'll direct <laughs> them to the podcast so they could listen to it. There but, you uh, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, looky there. But yeah, I keep it, I keep it really simple. Um, I try to not stress myself out too much with the angles. Uh, when I first started, like with that first hard drive of footage, I used to pull over, set my tripod up, and like ride past it. And, you know, that would be a, you know, a four, maybe a four second thing. Well, then I have to go get all my camera gear. Oh, that takes so long. What yeah. a brutal way to go. <laughs> it's brutal. And that's something I learned after that first year. I was like, okay, we're not doing that anymore. Right, <laughs> right. We're going to use the go, we're going to use the 360 camera and make it a lot easier. So yeah. I, I, I consume a lot of motorcycle YouTube. Like I, I'm a fan of everybody's. I, I love the community that that's kind of building here and and we're trying to be a part of it. I agree. I agree. Um, But every time I see that shot of them, like driving past the camera, I just know that they're going back for it. (laughs) So yeah. (laughs) And I just being on the road, I'm like, what a waste of time. (laughs) Oh yeah. And like, I, I stopped to pull over a lot, but, um, I try like now I try and keep it to like my riding footage is my riding footage. And then now I do like the voiceover thing because I don't like to talk when I'm riding. I think it's distracting and it takes away from the experience for myself when I could just voice over it and tell a story just the same way. Yeah, I like the voiceover stuff's doing really good. Yeah, really like it. Yep. Well, thank you. (laughs) I, it, it, it makes it, I don't get to ride every day. Obviously, like I said, even though this is like my main job, 
I still have to edit the footage and do stuff. So I might go a week and a half without getting to touch my bike because I'm busy working. So when I do get to go ride, I just want to ride and enjoy my trip. I don't want to focus on talking where I just am completely desensitized to what's around me, you know? So, yeah, that's kind of like where we were at. We, we started this YouTube thing kind of to get our, uh, get the memories on film so we can go back and look at it. Our kids and grandkids can even, you know, get involved. It's yeah. always going to be there. That was our reason for starting this whole thing. Cool. Um, it's kind of grown a little bit, so. That's awesome. There's been one thing that's been really fulfilling for me, I think, with YouTube. And I, the way I set my YouTube up and with Ride to Food, you know, I I want to appeal to motorcyclists, but I really want to inspire people to go ride. And I think that when I just talk from my motorcycle, like I think those videos have a place and I think they're great. They are kind of podcasty, which is fine, but I don't feel like it evokes enough emotion into someone to inspire them to get on their bike and go ride or to just learn to ride. So that's kind of where like my, I kind of take direction with my video where it's like, man, if I can convince just one person or maybe someone's daughter who's, you know, seven years old, that motorcycles are cool. Then I did my job <laughs> and it worked out. Yeah. All right, so that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's, <clears throat> that's perfect. Cause it, at the end of my list here, I have a, I have a quote by you. It's off your website that I was super into. Uh, it said, I wanted to break stereotypes of women and those who are a little different and to show that we are all capable of doing things just as good as the next guy or gal, just in our own way. Um, that really rang true for me. And I, I really liked that it was on your website. And, and I think that's a great thing to, to highlight. So amen. Uh, kudos to that. <laughs> Thank you. So I think, um, super appreciate your time, Stacy. We're coming to the end here where we like to do our little cheers. So I'm going to, Raise a glass to my brothers here and say uh, to old friends and new roads. Old friends, friends and, new, and roads. new roads. Love you guys. <laughs> and uh, uh, thanks again, Stacy. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Stacy. Yes, Definitely. thank you very it's much been, for your time. It's been fun. I appreciate it.